my freshman year of high school, <clears throat> I tried out for several sports. Tried out for the football team, tried out for the basketball team, and I didn't make the cut. I thought maybe I was too skinny or I was too short. I don't think it occurred to me that maybe I wasn't athletic enough. The following year, my sister came behind me. As a freshman, she seemed to get involved with everything. And her first sport was cross-training. So I asked her, I said, what does this consist of? Is it like, you know, 100 yards, 200 yards, 400 yards? What's, what's the distance? She says, more like miles. And I was like, not for me. <laughs> the spring comes along, and now she's doing track and field. And I'm curious, so Kristen, what does this consist of? It's just, well, there's a variety of events that you could do. There's short distance, there's long distance, there's the javelin, there's long jump, short jump, and a uh, short jump. That would be me trying to do the long jump. <laughs> High jump. And I was like, wow, something I think I could do. So I jumped in, and I did track and field. It's amazing as I look back and I realize, you know, how many of these activities I did, how much running I did, and now today it's like I think I need one of those Fitbit things to motivate me to get moving, to get my steps in. These last couple of days, as we've accompanied the apostles through Jesus' passion, they're getting a lot of exercise at the garden as Jesus is being captured, arrested, the disciples all run. They run away from Jesus. This morning, as we heard in the Gospel, there's Mary and the other women, the other Gospel accounts, especially when we heard last night, they're getting their steps in as they're walking to the tomb. But there's a real heaviness in their heart a sense of dread with each step as they make their way to the tomb. But then how things change with the, the revelation of the tomb is empty. The stone has been rolled back. This mystery of what has happened. And we know from the Gospel that Mary runs out, an outright sprint to the apostles and tells them what she has encountered, what she has seen. And then it's like the baton is handed to Peter and John. And they race to the tomb. And we know who wins that race. John wins the race, but he waits for Peter out of deference, out of respect. Peter is the leader among the apostles. And how much differently Peter has his steps away from the tomb, trying to take in what he has seen, what he has witnessed, what this all means. How much different within his heart is the, the beginning of this this revelation, this mystery of what does the tomb 
which is now empty mean for him? Is it possible that Jesus is risen? Just like in our physical lives, we need to be motivated to keep moving often, so also in our spiritual lives, we need, we need motivation to keep going. And I believe that the first motivator that we need is what we celebrate today. And that is the truth, the power of the resurrection. To trump any darkness, any evil, any hardship in our life. If we say we're disciples of Jesus, that we're believers in the resurrection, what we celebrate today, Easter Sunday, radically shapes and changes what happened on Friday. And that's why we can call it Good Friday. But how often can we experience darkness, discouragement in our own life, hardships in our own life, and we let that pull us down. Today, we're reminded of the power of the resurrection to trump anything in your life that holds you down, that discourages you. Back in 2008, I had the opportunity, it was my first trip to, to Israel, to the Holy Land. And before I left, my pastor, where I was at St. Mary's in Alton, Illinois, and now he's my provincial, but before I left, he suggested to me, encouraged me, goes, Sean, if you can, ask your, your travel guide when you get to Israel to arrange it that your group can celebrate Mass in the tomb of our Lord there in Jerusalem. And I was told that there's only two slots. There's a 5 a.m. and a 5.30. And then after that, it's open to the public. So as soon as I landed, we get on the bus, I meet our travel guide who will be with us throughout our trip in Israel, and, and I asked about the possibility, could we arrange it for our group to have, have Mass in the tomb of our Lord? Because... Father Jim, our provincial now, told me, he goes, it was the most amazing experience to celebrate Mass in the tomb of our Lord. And I had holy envy, and I wanted that. And our travel guide told me, wow, you're asking a lot. That's something you'd have to arrange months ago. But she said, if you, if you want, there is, there is a possibility that if you get up early in the morning and you go, the Mass is in English, maybe they'll let you concelebrate. So I'm holding on to hope that maybe, maybe my dream will come true. I decided, you know, the, I would give that a shot. So I had a taxi come and pick me up around 4, 4.30 in the morning. And... That night when I went to bed after I had made the arrangements for the taxi to come that morning or the next morning to pick me up, I had a dream. I had the most amazing, realistic dream that the taxi came and picked me up. I walked into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre 
and I was able to celebrate the Mass. And when I woke up, I wasn't sure if that happened or not. It was so real. As I found where I was, I was like, in the day it was, I said, maybe this was a premonition. And so with great excitement and anticipation, getting into the taxi early in the morning, being dropped off outside the gates there in Jerusalem, and winding my way through the narrow streets, working my way to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, as listening to the birds were starting to chirp. And I was thinking, wow, was this what it was like? You know, when the first disciples, when Mary and the women were rushing to the tomb. And then I stepped foot into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and hardly anybody there. I made a, a beeline for the, church, for the tomb of our Lord. And then my heart sank as I realized they had just begun Mass. And then as I listened, I said, well, it wasn't even in English, so maybe the 5.30 Mass. But I hovered around the back of the group uh, waiting for the second group to come in. And as the first Mass ended, I had an opportunity to kind of sneak in and to have a few moments by myself right there in the tomb of our Lord. And before I knew it, the second group was ready to come in. And there was the priest with the chalice ready to come in. And I was like, no, I missed it again. My opportunity. And they were encouraging me to sneak out of there so that this next Mass could come in. I remember just the disappointment that I experienced there. I remember just kind of pouting a little bit. So as I was hovering towards the back, I said, well, I missed my opportunity here. Um, I'm going to go over to the other side of the Basilica, which is this day have marked the spot of Calvary where Jesus died. And when I got up there, there was absolutely no one there. I had the whole holy place to myself. The day before, you would spend hours in line just waiting to have a few moments, either at the place of Calvary or at the tomb. You'd spend hours waiting. Nobody there. So I sat there kind of enjoying the moment I got this whole place to myself. And then this disappointment swept over me again. I remember just saying to the Lord, you know, you gave me this amazing dream. I had such high expectations and hopes. I feel like you know, someone just popped my spiritual bubble. And as I was sitting there, this thought came to me of what Jesus said to Mary Magdalene when she was crying, thinking someone had taken his body. And Jesus says to her, why are you weeping? And now Jesus was saying to me, why are you so disappointed? 
So you weren't able to enter into my tomb to celebrate the Mass there. But every time you celebrate the Mass, you enter into the power, the truth of my resurrection. Every time you celebrate the Mass, the gift of the priesthood that you share with me brings my resurrected body and blood, soul and divinity to you and to all you celebrate the Mass with. As I let that truth kind of sink in and absorb that truth, the disappointment lifted. And the thought came, I said, why am I here at Calvary? I said, it's time for me to return to the hotel to gather with the, the, the group that we had come together with on pilgrimage to bring the resurrected Jesus to them. To celebrate the truth and the power and the reality of the resurrection. And I think that's the, the last motivator, if any motivator, that we need to keep us going is that we have the gift of the resurrected Jesus with us today. We don't have to get on a plane, travel halfway across the world with the, with the hopes of, of touching a relic of the resurrection or how wonderful it would be to celebrate the Mass in the tomb where our Lord came forth. That would be wonderful. But what we have already right here, right now, on this altar... We encounter the risen Lord. And it's for us any day of the week. Any church, regardless of how majestic or how humble, it is Jesus, the risen Lord, we encounter, we receive. Pray for a special Easter grace today. Pray for the grace of humble gratitude that as you walk down the aisle of this church this morning, that you may deepen within yourself so the Holy Spirit may deepen within you just the grace of that excitement, that anticipation to receive the risen Lord. That as He comes into your heart, your soul, your body, you come into His heart, His soul, His resurrected body. And that with that profound sense of gratitude, that you may truly be able to, to pray and to say in your heart, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know He lives. He lives. He lives in me. Amen.